Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast, for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, I can't wait to introduce you to Rebecca Stein. She is with me. She's the founder and CEO of Blind Tiger Spirit Free cocktails and i can't even wait i love the branding the packaging the flavors like i I think this idea is so cool and and, in such a a great time to be talking about it rebecca so great to have you on the podcast likewise thanks so much for having me justin i think it's great that you're here it's so fun um we've been trying to get the schedule for a couple weeks and we are finally made it happen i'm so excited that we're both here um recording as we kick off 2023 um, so it's so fun to have you on early in the year. Okay, so Rebecca, listen, I, I, I've had so much fun researching you and your brand, but how about tell our audience a little bit of your story? You've been doing this about two or three years. How about rewind the clock for us? What were you doing before uh, launching this brand? <laughs> so my background's pretty varied. Uh, I de- never took a linear path. I started my career in music, and then I went into public administration. And then throughout that process, I did a lot in like the event planning, hospitality arena, etc. Ran for public office twice and lost twice. And then five wow. years ago, <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, it was it was our local uh, local elections. I was very close the second time. And, but five years ago, we decided, I wanted to put our money where our mouth was, right? And invest in our downtown community. That was kind of the pillar, one of our pillars for when I was running for office. And then I opened, I opened room 33 speakeasy with that. So we've had this bar and restaurant for about five years and um, it's a very cool speakeasy style establishment. And that kind of led into how Blind Tiger came to be. Wow. Okay. That's very, very cool. So your piano background. So I played piano and keyboard, as I shared with you before uh, we hit record. I still sing. I love singing. That's my thing. I don't play as much piano anymore. I use it to warm up. And uh, But I'm you got your PhD. T- <laughs> so you're just piano, you like piano, but not sing. But you got your PhD also. I mean, how, how did that, how did you decide to do that? I mean, in, in all of the different twists and turns in your career so far? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I like to create opportunities, right? And uh, this one kind of popped up and it all kind of goes together. But through the process of my career, I think at one point I was really hoping to take on an executive role, either in a nonprofit or for profit. And I wanted to I wanted to be a better leader. I think there's a lot of terrible leaders in this world. So whatever I do, it needs to be like I want to make sure that we are doing the best for the people that work with us. Okay, we could do a whole podcast on leadership, but I'm going to hold on that. I'm going to have you come back on to talk about that because I think it's an idea that um, I think there's. I think you're onto something, and I agree with you. So we're going to come back to that on a different episode. But um, <laughs> all right, I, I could get totally diverted, like shiny object, you know. Um, okay, but I'm trying to focus on your beverage brand. So all right, so you decide you, you've done politics. It didn't really happen. You've done other work around the space. You, you're and you decide you're going to jump into the beverage industry with a ready to drink cocktail and mixer. How did you decide this is going to be the space to go into? And like, what were your first steps? 
Yes. So COVID COVID was actually forced us into this space. And how that happened was during during COVID, we were mandated to take out only in our restaurant. But in Pennsylvania, you weren't legally allowed to sell alcohol to go. But 90% of our sales were bar sales at the time. So we either had to shut our doors or come up with different options. And one of those was making non-alcoholic versions of our drinks. And we had a really great response. And wow. Justin, I just woke up one day and I was like, I wonder if I can't bring this to market. It was just, it was just an overnight thought. Wow. That's really, really cool. Okay. So I love that. And how did you go from like, okay, this is an interesting idea to actually make it into a business. I mean, like it's not simple, right? You have to come up with the no. flavors, the mixes and figure out how to mix it. That makes it like you can go sell that. It's not just making it at home. Like what, what were the first steps in trying to, to figure this out? Yeah, it's a huge learning curve when you're not in the industry. And even if you are, I have to imagine there's so many legs of of this type of industry. It still has to be a learning curve for most. And the way that it went down with us is when I had opened the restaurant, I had invested all of my money at the time in that. So I didn't really have a ton to take into this space. But I ended up... Um, we came up with an idea. So our, our restaurant is prohibition based. Blind Tiger was a moniker for speakeasies during the prohibition era. So got it. I was going to ask you that. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It actually, originally I'm very weird. I, I had this company crafted before 2020 as a confectionery company. I was going to make gummy bears that were flavored like classic cocktails from the prohibition era. It's very odd. It didn't go anywhere for obvious reasons. And, but I had this name sitting out there. So I was like, Hey, we've got this company. Why don't we try to readapt it? I went to my team and they're, you know, there, I have a team of wonderful mixologists and kind of said, this is what I want to do. Can you guys come up with four or five recipes that you think would fit into the non-alcoholic space and um, create them so that they're great alone. But if we wanted, if you want to use them as a mixture, you can, they did that. And then I ended up just, I don't know, it was very serendipitous, the entire process. I ended up um, applying for this huge competition called Ben Franklin Big Idea Competition with this idea in mind. And I ended up winning their grand prize, which gave me the money I needed to hire wow. like the beverage engineer and everything yeah. to get me going. That's really cool. I mean, amazing. It's funny how things work out when they're meant to be. Um, you got four flavors now. Bees, knees. <laughs> I love it. Ward 8. Sidecar. I heard a sidecar before. And Southside. So how did you come up with these? And how did you decide these were going to be the first four that you developed? The team actually came up with the originals. There was a fifth one, the Bacardi, uh, but the Bacardi was trademarked. So none of these other cocktails are trademarked currently. And they're very classic Prohibition era cocktails. They all have a story tied to them, like what, how they came to be. So every one of them, all the stories are on the labels too. And we just kind of narrowed it down. And this is what we went for. Like, I love it. That's it really cool. You're using glass packaging in a really cool shaped bottle. How did you decide on that versus some of the more traditional, you know, can sizes or even glass bottle sizes and whatnot? How did you figure out this is going to be your approach? From a standard like bottle perspective, it's really hard to, to find unique packaging that is widely available and not a million dollars, right? But these Boston round bottles have been around for a little while and they're more apothecary in nature. And we, so it was, we wanted to make sure to keep with the brand and that was as close as we could get while not, you know, taxing ourselves financially. So we, we were able to start with that and it just fits the image a little bit. Totally. More. Yeah. I think that, and I love the imaging or imagery and the, the labels and all are really great. Um, so you were heading down the path of developing these products. Did you already know you had 
customers or how did you know this would sell or work? Yeah. So we had an, we had an innate advantage because for several months we were selling them out of our restaurant. Now we had like, it was a community thing, but then during my research, I found there was such a significant gap in the market for non-alcoholic beverages and even in our travels, right? Because although I love a spirit or a glass of wine, you know, I, there's times I don't want to drink and there's, there were not a ton of options when you would go out to bars and restaurants around the country. So having seen that, knowing the data and then doing a little bit of a test market, I think we had something. Yeah, I think so too. How do you sell this in though? So you, you, cause you don't have to follow the, the alcoholic beverage distribution rules because you're non-alc. So I, and you could be in, you know, grocery stores and other locations. Um, but you also want to be in the liquor stores, right? So how do you approach that? How do you think about that from a distribution or, or selling perspective? So it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm just often just out there trying to talk and pitch to people. So in Pennsylvania, they have the PLCB, so it's state regulated. And I have yet to get into the liquor stores here, which has been an uphill battle all on its own. But then there are, I've had opportunities which are vast and varied, but my, one of my initial ones came from a group called the Navigator Lighthouse Foundation. And they're based out in Southern California. And somehow I got wind of them over here on the East Coast. And they really helped me bring my product to life. They support women and minority CPG entrepreneurs. Through them, I was able to get into two of the major distributors in the country, the all natural and organic distributors, which then affords me the opportunity to go and pitch to retailers. Ah, got it. Okay. And then are you doing that or do you have help doing that? Like, what does it look like today? I know you're about two and a half years in. Yeah, it's still really me. Um, I, I have somebody coming on uh, full time uh, right after the first of the year was great. And I'm hoping to add another full time person before the end of the year. So hopefully there'll awesome. be three of us. I was reading that I think your product shelf is around 12 months. So how are you managing how much to make versus, you know, hold off on inventory? Do you know what I mean? Like, because I'm sure you're batching product. So like, how do you think about how much of each of these to make and, and store um, versus like make in the future? See, when you're a startup, it's really hard to kind of determine that process and what's best because one, if there's a lot of financial upfront costs from you know totally. getting the supplies, all oh, the yeah. ingredients, and then, and then even so, when we first found our first co-packer, she was she's re- relatively small. She was great for us. She was everything we needed, but I couldn't scale up. Like I can't. It wasn't an opportunity to scale up at that time um, because she was still relatively small. So now we have two her and someone else. So there, that helps us a lot, but it's really the cart before the horse. It's making sure you can create enough of an opportunity so that right. you can sell the product within the time frame. Right. And you want to have enough to be able to sample, but then, um, and, and that's the thing, I think when you get to retail stores, you know, the, they will potentially test you out, right. And have you come in and do some, um, some testing at different stores and then you get the volume there and then you get a broader, uh, retail set. Right. Yeah, it de- yeah, it just kind of depends on how it does, right? There is there are certain stores, and then some of them take us. Like we have one in California that, that put us in all thirty of their locations right That's out of awesome. the gate. I love it. Yeah, it it's awesome. nice. Yeah. Nice that you have a couple of um, of flavors because most retailers also want that versus just one, which we've talked about on a couple other episodes. Okay, so um, what's most popular of these four? Like, which one? What's your favorite? And then, like, what? How would you rank the the in terms of either sales or interest from uh, consumers? 
Yep. The most popular hands down is the bee's knees. It just kills it everywhere. <laughs> and we added an eight ounce slim can option to to our Ooh. line just from an ease of transport sort of thing, right? So sure. just with that varietal to kind of test the market. Um, but that's that's the most popular for sure. But my favorite is probably the South Side. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's nice. All right. So and then as you think about future is it new flavors it's obviously get into stores right i mean it's obviously get presence um and distribution in the broader locations but what about other flavors have you guys thought about what might be next yeah we have a couple of uh varietals in the works we have two of them right now so i'm hoping to at least introduce one of them shortly after the first of the year and we might add with the eight ounce slim can option we might add this to all four SKUs because then I can create a variety pack really easily with four with one of each of the so people can try it. It's more of a sampler option than committing to the bottles. I love that. Um, you've had some really great experiences in all in a lot of different parts of different industries and whatnot. Like I'd love to ask you to share what what have been some of the biggest lessons learned you've had thus far in getting this brand up and going. I'll say. Um, we got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen. They'd probably love to hear your advice. What would be two or three things you'd offer? So you don't know what you don't know, right? And I mean, there were so many errors that I've made in the process, so many very expensive errors in the process. And having a mentor in this industry would have been immensely helpful, right? Because there are some very basic things like the heat on a label, right? Like what is the heat sensitivity on a label? We didn't know that. We did the labels all wrong on the first batch and they oh. turned out very rich oh. because we didn't know that you had to have a certain temperature to it. So right. to be able to have somebody that you know at least does something similar and you can just go and ask questions, highly encourage anybody in that arena to find somebody and even if they don't know them, just to bug them about that type of stuff to, to save yourself the headache and heartache of those types of mistakes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there's plenty of ways to do that, right? You can reach out to others in the industry. We were talking about some of our mutual connections in the food and beverage space before we, or before we hit record today, right? I mean, there's plenty of people to reach out to. And what I found is most people want to help. They do want to help. In this industry, especially in the startup arena, most of these guys are still... The non-alcoholic space in particular is still emerging, right? Like liars, I don't know if you're familiar with liars, they're killing it. They only launched in 2019. So that just right. shows how brand new these, you know, the space is. And most of these guys want to help each other out. So it's a really nice community. And I have to imagine that it probably translates into other areas totally. as well. I totally agree. Uh, so cool. I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see, uh, like I said, your early days, but I mean, you got this great upside and um, I'm excited for Like, I'm just glad you were here today. You got to uh, share with our audience where they can find you, connect with you, find your product. And then we got to have you back on down the road. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about leadership. So they can find <laughs> <Yes>. our website is <laughs> our website is blindtigerspiritfree.com. And we are on most social media channels with the handle just blindtiger33, the digits three three. Um, otherwise, everybody, my email's on my website and everything too. So I love it. So great to have you with us, Rebecca Stein. So great to have you on our show. We got to have you back on down the road, as I mentioned. Um, fun spending time with you. Excited for you. Really love the packaging. And the, it looks just great. And um, appreciate you being with us today. Thanks, Justin. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been great chatting with you as well. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. 
You can find additional ContenderCast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.